others because of his work on our behalf. Pray for him. Good morning again. This morning we want to turn our attention to the 23rd Psalm. Scripture simply declares, For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, I've been speaking on uh, the, the priority of discipleship. Specifically, I have been harping on the point that God desires to use your life. Uh, but this morning, I want to take a step back, and I want to focus on how much God cares about your life. For somebody this morning, I just feel led to say that God cares about you. Yes, we need to be concerned about others. Yes, we need to be committed to helping others grow spiritually, but our concern for others should be a response to God's love and God's care for us. Just so, so, so just this morning, uh, I'm not going to hold you long. Matter of fact, we are going to end the service today uh, by bringing in all the kids who are beginning school. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, but just for a subject title this morning, I want to preach from the title, God Cares About You. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for allowing us uh, to be together. Uh, God, it is a privilege to be in your house. It is a privilege to be able to open up your word. But God, I pray that although we have heard great music, although we have enjoyed warm fellowship, God, ultimately we need to hear from you. God, I pray that you would use this time to speak to your people. God, I pray that you would use this time uh, to do some surgery on our hearts. God, you would take your word and that you would cut us deeply, not to hurt us, but to help us and to heal us. God, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. God, you are my strength and God, you are my redeemer. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was attending a pastor's conference in Dallas, Texas. If you have been here for a while, you know where I was. I was at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. And one of the speakers at the conference uh, spoke about his affinity for superheroes. Uh, he wasn't into the new school heroes like Iron Man or Ant-Man or Mr. Incredible. He quickly confessed that growing up there was one undisputed champion of all the superheroes and that was Superman. He shared one of his favorite stories about Superman that I want to share with you this morning. He said growing up, one of the comics that he can remember featured Superman going into 
uh, an a inferno to, uh, to save a man who was trapped in the house. The man was trapped in the building. Uh, there was fire all around him, but Superman swooped in. Superman saved him from the fire and the flames. And because Superman was such a phenomenal hero, Superman was even willing to fly him safely home. Now, on the flight home, the man was trembling. He was fearful. Uh, he was shaking. He was extremely overwhelmed because he thought, what will happen if he drops me? Superman sees him, and he sees how afraid he is. He sees how he's struggling on the ride home, and he asks him the question. He says, what's wrong? The man replies by saying, I'm afraid that you're going to drop me. And Superman looks at him and says, do you think that I have enough power to save you from, save you from the flames, but not enough power to get you safely home? I, I love that thought because it really does remind me that we need to trust in our lives that God can get us safely home. We need to trust that God is able to protect us from the dangers of life. When I think about the comic book, it is a reminder for me personally that I would do well in my life, my personal relationship with Christ, by understanding how much God cares about me. Many of us have confessed or professed belief in Jesus. Many of us have been uh, through the waters of baptism. And many of us live a life trusting that when this earthly body uh, no longer uh, will work, that we will be in the presence of God. But I want you to take it a step further. I want you to take it a step further because I want you to wrestle with what does my relationship with God or how does my relationship with God impact the life that I'm living today. If you're here today and you're fearful whether or not the Lord can get you safely home, I want to take a moment and say, we believe that Jesus will take us to heaven, but I don't want you to wonder whether or not God has your back on the earth. I'm not making that statement this morning to put anyone down. I'm making that statement this morning because I understand how, how rough and how tough life can be. I know that many times in our lives, things can become overwhelming. I know that there are people here today under the sound of my voice who probably feel alone. There are people under the sound of my voice who are hurting. There's probably somebody here this morning who was considering um, whether or not to even come to church this morning. And while we are feeling alone and while we are feeling at times in our lives that maybe God has forgotten about us, we, are not, we know that is not the truth, but, but we need to be real about our issues. We can feel as if uh, that God has maybe forgotten about us. In those moments, Satan has a way of showing up and speaking very loudly to us. He has a way of attacking us with lies. He has a way of planting seeds of doubt in our minds like God has forgotten about you. That if the Lord really loved you, then he would not allow people to hurt you. That if God really was good, then this would not be happening today. That if the Lord really loved you, then that person would not have died. That person would not have hurt you or left you. That sickness would not have touched your house. That job would not have let you go. And as your pastor, I know that, that Satan is always on the attack and I just want to take a few moments this morning, and I want to remind everyone here today, specifically myself, that God 
cares about us. Yes, he does. This week I had, a, had an opportunity to, to get away. I, my wife was very gracious to allow me uh, to have a personal uh, sabbatical where I, I had some time with the Lord. I, I went and got my, got my mind focused on Christ. I shut my phone off. I focused on the Lord. I cut the TV off. I got off social media. I got off Facebook. I got off Twitter. I got off Instagram so I could just focus and I could just spend time with the Lord. And one of the things the Lord just impressed upon my heart, that's why we are, are preaching this sermon today, is that there are people here who are hurting. I know we, we, we got a new building, we got a new edifice, we're so excited about the new faces in the room, but here's the truth. I don't want us to be so concerned about the outward things, the new location, the new building, the beautiful edifice, and not recognize that there are people in our body who are hurting. So I wanted to take a step back this morning. I wanted to put what I had planned to preach on to the side. And I wanted us to take some time to focus on the 23rd Psalm because, in my opinion, the 23rd Psalm is one of the Psalms or one of the passages of Scripture that has been of great comfort to believers throughout the ages. We've been in this passage before, but I want us to go back to it. I want us to look at it with fresh eyes because... I believe in the text, God is loudly and passionately saying, I love you. Uh, You ever been to a graduation where uh, it's that one parent in the crowd (laughs) who who, who really just doesn't care about protocol or decorum, and they're just so excited about their kid graduating? And and I'm not saying that God is obnoxious. Don't, Don't get that. Don't get that. But what I am saying is when God looks at you, When God sees you, he's excited about you. He loves you. God cares about you. When God looks around this crowd, he sees, hey, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's someone who I died for. That's someone who, who has been redeemed. That is someone who I have shed my blood for. And when God sees you, I want you to know that God cares about you. We know clearly that David is the author of this psalm. But we don't know exactly when the psalm was written. Some commentators have said that the psalm was written when he was a, a, a older man approaching the end of life's journey. And he's looking back and rejoicing over God's goodness. Uh, other commentators think that it was written when he was a young man. But since the psalm doesn't specifically tell us, it doesn't matter if he was young or if he was old. The truth that is shared in the psalm transcends time, it transcends age, it transcends gender, it transcends circumstances. And as we read the text, I believe that David is trying to communicate to us that our God is faithful in his love for us. I want to say this very clearly. As you read the psalm, as I read the psalm, I was reminded that there is not an area in my life where I cannot trust God. We can trust God in every area of our lives. Now, Satan would tempt us to think that, can I really, I know like that whole heaven thing and like not going to hell thing and, you know, being, you know, the great bond. But I know I can kind of trust him for that. But I cannot, can I trust him today? Can I trust him in every area of my life? 
Can I trust him with my future? Can I trust him with my relationship status? Can I trust him with my career? Can I trust him with my health? Can I trust him with my family? I'm here to tell you that if God could not be trusted, then he would not be God. And since God is God and since God is good, there is not an area of our life that we should not trust God because God is in full control of every aspect of our lives. As we study the passage, I believe we clearly see are three natural movements in the text, and in each section, we discover a significant truth about God. Number one, that God is faithful to help us in our frailty. Number two, that God is faithful to handle our foes. And thirdly, God is faithful because God ultimately holds our future. First, let's look at how God faithfully helps our frailty. Back to verse number one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the passage, David is confident that God is faithful to help with our frailty because David had a healthy relationship with the Lord. As we read the text, we must understand that this is not a wishful thinking. This is not religious rhetoric. David had a relationship with God, and David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord of course, in Hebrew is the word Jehovah. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David um, specifically speaks in present tense in the psalm. He doesn't say, the Lord was my shepherd or the Lord will be my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. As we continue to look at the text, we must focus on the present tense. And as we focus on the present tense, we need to be careful. Uh, in your relationship with God, it is certainly appropriate to look back. Our faith looks back to what Christ accomplished on the cross. And because Christ was willing to suffer and die, he was able to say, it is finished. When Jesus says, it is finished, he does not say, I am finished. When Jesus refers to it, he is referring to the fact that he has paid the penalty for our sin. But here's the truth. We serve a risen Savior with work left to do in our lives. Jesus does not say, I am finished, because he knows that there is a present ministry in the life of every single believer. As believers, we should be mindful that this world is not our home. We should be excited about heaven. We should be looking forward to moving into eternity where we are in God's presence. But here's the truth. Yes, we should look back. Yes, we should look forward, but here's the truth. We should be reminded of God's faithfulness in the present. If we only have a relationship with God that is impactful in the past without having a relationship with God that is vibrant presently, then we will not experience God's faithfulness in our lives. In the text, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He does not say the Lord is a shepherd, for that would only allow him to be one of the founders of a world religion. Uh, he doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd, for that simply would set him apart among other equals. He says the Lord is my shepherd. He has a personal relationship with the shepherd. We, um, we don't know a lot about shepherding. Uh, maybe uh, some who have grown up in the country, I'm not going to call anybody out because it could be 
um, interpreted as me taking a shot, and I don't do that from the pulpit. (laughs) But when we consider the reality, the shepherd is responsible for caring for the sheep. The shepherd is responsible for giving the resources that the sheep need, right? When we think about our lives, we got to understand that some of us look to money, others look to power, others look to prestige, others look to relationship. But here in the text, David is reminding us that we are not to look to any of those things. We are ultimately to look to the shepherd. David uses his old job as a shepherd to describe a relationship with the great shepherd. Shepherd does not uh, a shepherd does not tend wolves. A shepherd uh, does not tend horses. Ultimately, a shepherd is willing to tend the sheep. I think Siri is trying to out-preach me this morning. <laughs> as a believer, if you don't recognize yourself as a sheep, you will not experience the benefits of the shepherd. I'm going to say that again. If you are not willing to humble yourself and recognize that you are as weak as a sheep, you will never, ever experience the benefits of the great shepherd. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, him being Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Here's the truth. Sheep are destitute, meaning that they are, they are lost. They are defenseless. They are destitute, they are defenseless, they are dirty, they are dependent. But David is willing to say, hey, I'm a sheep. He's willing to confess, hey, I'm 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 about to be a king, I'm about to be a warrior, I can do great things. But he's saying, hey, I'm willing to confess that I am a sheep and I love it. He's willing to make a confession because ultimately when he says, I am a sheep, He's confessing that he is under the authority, under the care, and under the protection of the shepherd. Primarily, sheep need food, they need rest, and they need someone to lead them. And he's telling us in the text that it is the shepherd who's willing to do those things for us in our lives. Because he is our shepherd, he restores our soul. Restore literally means to bring back or to resuscitate. Some might be asking the question, well, how does he restore our soul, right? Or why, does, why is there a need for restoration or, or restoring our soul? I've used this illustration before, and I'm going to use it again. Um, if you've ever had a slow leak, you understand the principle here in the text. I wish Sister Tori was still here with us. She, would, she was my amen corner. She would always give me a little help on these illustrations. <laughs> Sometimes you run over a nail. Other times you maybe have a blowout, but other times you just have a slow leak. When I think about our faith, and I think about the church, when I think about my own relationship with God, uh, I I can't remember having a blow-up in my life spiritually, right? I can't remember having a wreck in my life spiritually. But nine times out of ten, when I'm having issues in my life spiritually, it's more like a slow leak. It's, It's slowly fading away. It's slowly drifting away from the things of God. I'm married. I'm, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm not going to steal no money from the church. But, but my selfishness, my pride, my jealousy, th- those are the things that can creep in and end up being a slow leak in my life spiritually. The thing about a slow leak, though, is the slow leak not only impacts the tire, but it impacts the other tires. It also impacts the car. 
If you have one tire that is off, it can mess up your suspension. It can tear up your car. A slow leak can mess up your alignment. It can, can cause things to be out of order. When we have a slow leak in our lives spiritually, usually it, it, it looks like a person who's a little bit short. It's a person who's harsher with their words. It's a person whose heart is a little bit harder. It's a person who's not as patient as they used to be, who's not as intentional as they used to be. And when we look at our lives spiritually, it's very easy for us to dismiss the slow leak and the slow leak ending up hurting our lives for the long term. I love the passage because David says the Lord is able to resuscitate us. He's able to restore us. And the pastor says he causes me to lie down. Uh, anybody who has kids, um, y'all know I have four of them. Um, anybody who has kids, though, can appreciate giving uh, your kids a nap. So th- there's, there's this time in the day where they just get a little fussy, right? And the best thing for them and also the best thing for you is that you make them go to sleep. That you make them lay down and you make them get some rest. And I love the passage because the, the Bible is telling us it is the Lord who leads us to the still waters. In the passage specifically, it says he leads me by the still waters. The still waters are a picture that, that the, the shepherd knows what the sheep need, right? Because the sheep are not very athletic because they stumble, because they fall, because they are full of wool. If they were to go to a fast river, they could fall in and drown. But he said he leads them by slow and still water so they can receive what they need. So number one, God faithfully helps our frailty. But number two, God handles our foes. Verse four says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. I love the second stanza of the psalm because David shifts from talking about the shepherd and now he begins to speak specifically to the shepherd. And as he speaks to the shepherd, he mentions uh, the idea of the mountains. Uh, in, the, in the psalms, it is, a, it is a poetic book. And when the, when the psalm mentions the idea of mountains, it is painting a picture of of something being good, something being blessed, a blessing. When you look at uh, when, the, when the mountaintops are mentioned in the Bible, it's the place of revelation. It's the place where God meets with his people. So when he says, uh, when he speaks about the mountaintop in the text, he's saying that this is a good place. You and I know that when we are, that we are on the mountaintop, when things are good with your family, when things are good with your finances, when things are good with your faith. Now here's the truth. If we're going to go from a mountaintop to a mountaintop, the reality of it is you cannot go from one mountaintop to another mountaintop without first going through the valley. In our text, David is reminding us that since you can't jump from mountaintop to mountaintop, we must be prepared to go through the valley in our lives. And we can be okay with going through the valley because the Lord is present with us. God is not just present with us on the mountaintop. God is not just present with you when the baby is born, but God is also present when the baby is still born. God is not just present when you have a a gender reveal party. God is also present during the miscarriage. God is not just present when you get the promotion, but God is also present when you get laid off. 
God, God is not just present when, uh, when the family member gets the good bill of health, but God is also present when the family member is sick, when the job is hard, when the kids are not being obedient, when the spouse is hard to love, when, the, when that spouse has not even arrived yet. When you look at the text, God is telling us that in the valley, in the rough moments of life, God is saying, I care so much about you that I am willing to walk with you during the rough moments of your life. So verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David shifts from, from speaking about the shepherd to speaking to the shepherd, but then David transitions from saying he to saying you. He specifically speaks directly to God because he understands that he has a relationship with God where he did not need a, he does not need a mediator where he can specifically talk to God. I love um, a story told of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. Uh, he was a great American preacher uh, who unfortunately uh, for him, um, he would say that he lost his wife uh, too early. A death of Dr. Barnhouse's wife left him and his six-year-old daughter in mourning. Uh, Dr. Barnhouse had difficulty working through his own grief, but the hardest part about the, the death of his wife was trying to communicate God's love to his daughter. He later recalled that all of his education and his theological training left him at a loss. One day he had, he and his little girl were standing on a busy corner at a downtown intersection waiting for a light to change, and suddenly a large truck sped by the corner, briefly blocking the sun and frightening the little girl. Uh, to comfort her, Dr. Barnhouse picked her up, and in a moment of wisdom, in a moment of clarity, he began to communicate God's love to his daughter. Speaking to his daughter, he says, when you saw the truck pass, it scared you, but let me ask you a question. Would you rather be struck by the truck or the shadow of the truck? She quickly replied, of course, the shadow. He went on to explain, that's what happened when your mom died. He says, she was only hit by the shadow of death because ultimately Jesus was hit by the truck of death. In the psalm, there is a mention of death, but we need not fear because there is simply a shadow of death. In life, the shadow of a dog cannot bite. In life, the shadow of a sword cannot kill. In life, the shadow of a gun cannot kill. In life, the shadow of death for the believer cannot harm the people of God. So David says, I will have no evil, I will fear no evil because I choose to focus on the shepherd rather than focusing on the shadow. In your life, you got a choice to make. You got a choice as to whether or not you will focus on the shepherd or will you focus on the shadow. David continues by saying, uh, your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. The first initial audience of the text would have, would have immediately thought about the exodus where Israel was led by Moses and Moses had a rod and a staff and he was at the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, the nation of Israel had Pharaoh's army behind them. They had the Red Sea in front of them and behind them uh, was, the, was the army that they could not beat. But in front of them was a sea that they could not cross. And if they had uh, been left to themselves, they would have known defeat. But since God was with them and since God cared about them and since the, since the Lord uh, was, was present and active in their lives, he was willing to trust that God can handle any situation that we face. Verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I like the King James better, it says, my cup overrunneth. This sounds more spiritual. <laughs> in the text, sheep would often get caught in the thicket looking for berries. And when the shepherd retrieved the sheep from the thicket, its head would be cut, would be bleeding with thorns. The shepherd would place the oil on the head and massage it in. It is a picture of healing and restoration. The Lord has a way of healing us of all of our hurts, even though we're still in the presence of our enemies. Yes, in life, people will hurt you. People will take advantage of you. People will do you wrong. But I want to tell you, our God is a healer. Our God is able to take the hurts of others, and God is able to work those things together for the good. I love the story in Genesis with Joseph. He says to his brothers who sold him into slavery, who got rid of him, he says, what you meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. So number one, God faithfully helps our frailty. Number two, God uh, faithfully handles our foes. And then thirdly, God faithfully holds our future. Verse six says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David ends the psalm by reminding us that goodness and mercy will follow us. David doesn't say hopefully. He doesn't say perhaps. He says surely. If the Lord is the shepherd who leads the flock, then goodness and mercy are the two sheepdogs that guard the rear of the flock. Goodness and mercy, not goodness alone, for we are sinners in need of mercy, not mercy alone, for we are fragile in need of goodness. We need both. One man wrote, one, one commentary wrote, goodness to supply every want, mercy to forgive every sin, goodness to provide, mercy to pardon, goodness and mercy, the divine escorts of God's flock. Now, how long is that going to last? Just when you come to church? Just when you tithe? just when you serve, just when you perform. Absolutely not. In the text, he says, all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy follows the children of God all the days of our lives. When you think about your life, the reality of it is, life is tough. Life is hard. For some of us this morning, when you think about your life, all you can see before you it's hard days at home with toddlers, right? For others, all you can see is a dead-end job that you do not want to go to. For others, you see brokenness in your family. You see loneliness in days ahead. But I hope as you read the psalm, I hope that you can see that David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Not some days, not most days, but all days of my life. It's a reminder that God is not just expecting you to pursue him, but ultimately it is God who is pursuing us. Now, so sometimes we kind of have this picture of God uh, on the throne, and we should have the picture of Isaiah 6. God is high and lifted up. God is holy. God is magnificent. God is transcendent. God is, God is big, right? But we also need to see that God is imminent. 
that he's close, that he's with us. As David describes uh, or paints this picture of goodness and mercy, he's painting a picture of a God who is willing to pursue us regardless of our track record. God is not waiting on you to have a perfect record of attendance or a perfect record of giving or a perfect record of serving or a perfect record of saying the right thing or having a, a perfect a record of doing the right stuff, right? But God is willing to pursue you. If you don't believe that God is a God who pursues, I want to challenge you to go to the third chapter of Genesis. I have it here, but I, I got it's 12, 18, and it's a little late. I, I guess I could preach like the guy in, in Mexico. I ain't going to do that to y'all. I want you to go to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve have sinned. They're hiding in the bushes. They're partly trying to cover their bodies. But really, they're trying to cover their sin. I'm not even going to read the passage. Don't even worry about it. But, but God doesn't wait for them to come to him. God doesn't wait for the ones who created the wrong or the ones who fell short of his glory to pursue him. What does is, what is God do? God goes to them, and God says, where are you? It's deeply touching me this weekend, because I, when I make a mistake, God says, Thomas, where are you? Come, come talk to me. My sin wants to push me away from God. My sin wants to get me away from the Lord. But God says, no, no, come talk to me. And when you sin, I want you to see that. I want you to see that God says, I want, I want to have a conversation with you. When you sin, God says, come, come here, coach. Let me talk to you. Come here, Bob. Come here, Parker. Come here, Greg. God doesn't say, get away from me. Get out of my presence. You suck. You are, you are over. God doesn't do that. God says, I want you to come and talk with me because God wants to restore you. God wants to give you goodness, and God wants to reveal to you his mercy. The last time I preached on this passage, I did this, I'm going to do it again. If you go to, I don't want you to go there, but if you go to John 2, which we, we read the passage this morning, we got to remember that God is, he is the good shepherd. Psalm 23 is a psalm that looks forward, and literally, you can take the passage, and every time there's a reference to the shepherd, you can place the name of Jesus in there. This week, I want you to read the passage like this. Verse number one, the Lord Jesus is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Jesus makes me to lie down in green pastures. Jesus leads me beside the still waters. Jesus restores my soul. Jesus leads me in the path of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will feel no evil because Jesus is with me. Jesus, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the, of the Lord forever and ever because of Jesus. Chris, could you come on back up? As we get ready to close, we have three very, very simple points of application for us this morning. 
Number one, when you think about this passage, you should always remember that God cares about you. I don't care what happens in life. I don't care how tough life gets. I don't care how unexpected life becomes. The text is telling us, number one, always remember that God cares about you. Number two, second point of application is this. We must always focus on the shepherd rather than the shadow. Shadow has no power. The shadows of life are real, but the shadows cannot hurt you. And thirdly, we must always trust that God holds our future. I can be confident because I know who's in control. I can be confident because I know that God cares for me. I can be confident because God has promised that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God, I thank you for this time in your word. God, as we get ready to pray over the kids this morning, I ask that you would give us just a few moments to reflect on what you said to us today. God, I thank you that your word penetrates our heart. God, I thank you for reminding me this week how much you care about me, how much you love me. God, I pray this week that all of us would rest in that truth. We want to acknowledge that life is hard. We want to acknowledge that life is tough. But we want to pray specifically that you would speak to us. We thank you for blessing us. And we pray that you would continue to minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.